The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Born to be Breastfed with your host, Marie Biancuso. Our program aims to help you bust through the breastfeeding myths and ensure you and your baby enjoy the breastfeeding journey. Over the next hour, we'll help you figure out how to overcome the obstacles you might encounter and how to incorporate breastfeeding into your busy life. Now, here is your host, Marie Biancuso. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed. Thank you so much for joining me. We have a great show coming up today. I'm going to be talking to you about second night syndrome. And probably you're wondering, so what in the world is second night syndrome? Okay, not to worry. I'm going to explain that to you as soon as I tell you. I'm so glad to have you here today because as you probably know, I love talking about this stuff. And this time I'm stepping out of my comfort zone just a little bit because second night syndrome is something that I keep hearing about, but I'm not really sure that it is exactly the way that I hear about it. So there is, first of all, when when people talk about second night syndrome, what they mean is that this is a time when the baby baby won't settle down on the second night after he was born. So usually that first day, it's a very quiet day. Typically, the baby doesn't do a whole lot. He doesn't eat a whole lot. He doesn't cry a whole lot. He doesn't eliminate a whole lot. And now, all of a sudden, on this second night, the baby tends to be, as I hear it, always awake, that he won't settle that he is crying loudly and protesting loudly. I've heard some people describe this as a 24-hour smorgasbord, where the baby just apparently wants to eat, 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 eat. And if you talk to some experts, they will describe this as the second night syndrome, and it is... Uh, where the baby just wants to eat, but that it's not related to the fact that the mother doesn't have enough milk. I don't know. I don't know if that's a fair description or not. What I will tell you is that everyone seems to agree that on this second night after birth, the baby who up until now has been fairly calm, fairly quiet, fairly docile, is now the baby who is crying and protesting loudly. I want to be very, very, very clear with you, as in very clear. When we look at the scientific research, the scientific evidence, there is no such a thing as second night syndrome. 
and I will repeat that for those of you who are having your eyebrows raised. The scientific literature does not document any such a thing as second night syndrome. <clears throat> if you run around the web, you will find that some people talk about it. And I found it interesting to see that somebody on the web had said that everybody knows that this happens to, I don't know if she really said all babies, but that was the implication. I don't necessarily accept that. Let me explain. Just because your baby did it, or just because your neighbor's baby did it, or just because all the mothers that you're talking to had their babies do it, doesn't necessarily mean that it's a real phenomenon. It also doesn't mean that the next baby will do it. Sometimes when I think about these things that seem odd to me, I ask myself two questions. Where else in the world do we hear about this? I would love to hear from our listeners all over the globe. Send me an email. Here's the, I, I know you probably got this at the commercial, but I'm going to tell you again anyway. Send your email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. I will repeat that email. It's radio at borntobebreastfed.com. And what I'd like to emphasize to you here is that if you are in a place where you don't see that babies have this wakefulness on the second night, where it's impossible to settle them, please let me know. I would especially be interested in hearing from our listeners in places like India, places like Saudi Arabia, places like Central America, uh, anywhere where, I, and, I'm, and I'm just taking those places off from the top of my head because I happen to know that I saw listeners there just the other day. But we've got listeners in many different countries. I think that this is an American thing, and I'm not even sure that it's, an, it's a legitimate American thing. When I hear about this second night syndrome, I hear about it from people who are nationally recognized breastfeeding experts or possibly authors or both. And I would put myself up against any one of those nationally recognized speakers or authors and say, I'll bet you anything that I have spent more nights working as a nurse than any of them. And I don't feel that there is such a thing as second night syndrome. And what's more is, if there is such a thing as second night syndrome, I think that it is very limited, and I don't think that it is something that we must accept as something that absolutely will happen. I have known many, many, many hundreds of babies who do not exhibit this all-night wakefulness thing on the second night. What I have to wonder is, and I'm not saying that it doesn't happen. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying instead, I think that we should look at why does it happen? And if it happens, is this maybe something that we 
as hospital personnel sort of like unknowingly contribute to? Is that possible? I do agree that it is possible that by the time that babies come out of that first 24 hours where they're kind of like, yeah, 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 yeah. I had a long trip. I'll see you when I get there. I do believe that after that 24 hours, they do become more wakeful. I believe they're more aware of their surroundings. I believe that they are more aware that they are starting to become a different person than their mother, meaning they've just spent nine months inside of their mother. And now I think that there is probably some discomfort that they realize that they are no longer in that same environment inside of their mother. I think that probably that awareness is starting to come. However, my question is, what happens in the healthcare world, in the hospital in particular, to provoke that feeling of difference or to provoke that feeling of discomfort, to provoke those feelings of perhaps stimuli that contribute to it? What's going on here? Could it be that this baby lacks the familiar sights and sounds? Could we maybe reproduce those for him? And maybe some of us do, and maybe some of us don't. I would ask many questions. What's been going on during the day? In fact, if you look at the scientific literature, you could even say, well, we probably should look at what's been going on in pregnancy. There is certainly literature that shows that the sounds that babies have while they are in utero are perceived, and they do respond to those when they are in extrauterine life, extrauterine meaning outside of the mother. So, I would just say there is no scientific literature to support second night syndrome. I think that I have seen this set of symptoms that comprises second night syndrome, but I have not seen it in all babies. I think that they can escape that. I would also say, though, that it, if they can escape it, I think it is that we need to help mothers to be prepared in case it does happen. And I'll go into that a little bit more in the next segment. I think it is enormously important that the so-called second night syndrome is looked at through the eyeballs and through the lens of the Baby Friendly Hospital Initiative. I wonder if when the babies have everything that is truly optimal, when they have early breastfeeding, when they have skin-to-skin contact, when they have rooming in, when they have all of those things all working together. And by the way, the Baby Friendly Hospital Initiative, all of those 10 steps, all of them have to be working because the sum is absolutely great greater than the 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 whole is greater than the sum of the parts okay then i have to wonder is it possible that 
the second night syndrome is more likely to happen when we have suboptimal experiences for these babies. I think it's enormously important to look at all that is going on and to say, what is it that we can change? And what is it that we can change during the day? What are we doing that might contribute to this so-called second night syndrome? Because honestly, I've seen hundreds of babies that don't have it. I've certainly seen babies that do have it. I hope that I'm giving you some food for thought. I hope that I'm not diminishing your concerns if your baby had it. I hope that I'm not saying that your baby won't have it if you haven't had your baby yet. But I think what I'm really trying to communicate here is we need to take a good hard look at this thing that gets touted as a done deal when in fact the scientific research doesn't support it and my own clinical experiences don't completely support it. When we come back from break, I'm going to talk about sleep and sleep cycles. So don't go away. We'll be right back after this short break. Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuso, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you too. Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that too through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. The largest syndicated alternative health talk program has come to the Voice America Network. The Dr. Bob Martin Show is the program that will answer your health questions and help you to heal your own body of many different ailments. Each week, you'll hear the answers that Dr. Bob gives to his callers that help them to be their own doctor most of the time. We'll also discuss developments on the healthcare front and what you need to do to keep your body in top form. The Dr. Bob Martin Show airs Wednesday mornings at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health and Wellness. Do you or someone you love struggle with Alzheimer's disease or some other disorder? Many times, there is not an adequate support forum where you can learn from and discuss topics from top guest experts. Tune in to Neuromatters, The Brink of Alzheimer's with Dr. Sam Brinkman. Although thought of as a disease that affects only older individuals, increasingly symptoms are being found in people who are in their 40s and 50s. Get the answers. Neuromatters airs live Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Health & Wellness. Your life, your health, your network. 
You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. You're listening to be to Born to be Breastfed. I'm Marie Biancuto. Thank you so much for joining me. Today, I'm talking about so-called second night syndrome. And basically what I did in the first segment was to tell you that I do believe that probably some kids have it, but I think that there's a lot of kids who don't have it or could be prevented from having it. And there's absolutely no scientific literature that I'm aware of to support this idea. And I will be happy to take your emails if you feel that there is scientific literature, and I'd be especially interested to hear from you if you're somewhere other than the U.S., because I think that this is just an American thing. I think that somehow we're doing something odd or perceiving it in an odd way, so I'll be really eager to hear from you. Um, In just a minute, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about newborn sleep periods. In the meanwhile, what I want to talk to you about is to encourage those of you, I know that there have got to be many people here who are mothers that I'm absolutely always thrilled to talk to mothers. You are my primary audience. But I know that there are also nurses, lactation consultants, and other professionals who are listening to the show. We tend to have a lot of those. I'd like you to be aware of a couple of programs that I'm offering this spring. Some of them are paid programs, as in real live courses that offer SERPs or other credits. But I'm also offering some free programs, and I'd like you to be aware of those. For those of you who might be considering becoming IBCLCs, I give a free webinar, and it's called Becoming an IBCLC. And if you're interested in joining, make sure that you go to my professional uh, site, my my site for professionals, I should say, and that's at www.breastfeedingoutlook.com. I run the webinar about twice a month, and if you go on the front page of the Breastfeeding Outlook site, you will see what the next date will be as soon as we open registration. Make sure that you get into that really soon because we can only take 25 people on the webinar. And if you miss it, don't worry, there'll be another one that will come along. For those of you who are taking the IBLCE exam this summer, I offer a free webinar for five keys to passing the IBLCE exam. That also is a free live one-hour webinar. In both of those webinars, you will have the opportunity to ask questions to me about either preparing for the exam or, well, I should actually say preparing for your credentials and your coursework and such, or in the other one, asking 
questions about how to take the actual exam. So if you're a professional or if you're wanting to become a professional, those are two freebie things that I would strongly suggest that you get in on. Of course, I'm also offering my comprehensive course this year. I'll be offering it in the spring as well as the fall. And for those of you who will be taking the exam this summer and feel like you've already kind of done this, you've had a course before, you've been out there working for a while and you need a little refresher, need to pick yourself up, dust yourself off, um, I will be addressing that uh, in my review course and I will be doing that in I think like six or seven or more locations this spring. So check out my website, breastfeedingoutlook.com and you can get that information. All right, so what I want to talk a little bit about here is newborn sleep patterns. I think that people think that babies don't have sleep patterns, and actually they do. There is an absolutely wonderful website that I would strongly suggest that you go to. And the website is run by Gwen Dewar. She is a Ph.D., she has got a wonderful uh, a wonderful website that um g- give me one second i'm just going to make sure i got that straight hold on it is oh whoops i just got the wrong one all right google google gwen dewar and you will find her site. She talks a lot about sleep patterns and, by the way, a whole ton of other things that she talks about. The woman is totally on point. Uh, She talks about how the newborns, she says, and I quote, sleep in short bouts, typically ranging from 30 minutes to four hours and seemingly random times throughout the day and the night. She also goes on to talk about how the newborns awake easily, and that is true. She talks about the act of sleep, which is kind of a light sleep. And by the way, this is not her work. She's just explaining somebody else's work, but she's totally on point. She talks about the fluttering of the eyeballs, uh, the, the eyelids, excuse me, the rapid irregular breathing, occasional body movements, and vocalizations. They are grunts or brief cries. I absolutely agree with all of that. Now, what I'd like to say is if you look at your baby, you can actually sometimes see those little, like little tiny fluttering of the eyelids and you can see the eyes just a little bit below them. That's a sign that your baby is in a very light sleep. And honestly, what you want to do is if you're worried about getting the baby back to sleep, you got to realize that you got to keep him really still and really happy during this very light phase until he drops into a much more uh, deep sleep. And there's all kinds of information on this light sleep versus deep sleep. And it's been around since, oh, I think one of the earlier articles was in 1964. So this is not news. But uh, I want to go on and talk about how adults are different. What happens, and by the way, I've worked so many nights that I really do understand this whole business with trying to sleep during the day and be awake during the night. It's not what your internal clock wants. 
Um, what happens is that as the day wears on, adults begin to pr- produce less of a hormone called cortisol. And then they begin to produce another hormone in greater amounts, which is called melanin. So as adults, we have a very clear sleep-wake circadian rhythm that very much follows the light versus the day. Now, babies are not born with the ability to follow that, okay? It's much more helter-skelter. It takes them probably up to 12 weeks or so before they really get those hormones straightened out. I'd like to give you just a brief quote from what Gwen Dewar says at her website. She says, during pregnancy, fetuses are tuned into their mother's psychological, excuse me, physiologic cues about day and night. Fetal heart rate and respiratory rates speed up when mom is active and slow down when she is sleeping. And she gives the reference for that, which is uh, Mir Moran in 2003. Such changes may be influenced by maternal hormones, particularly melanin. Maternal, excuse me, melatonin. I'm sorry, I just mispronounced that. Maternal melatonin passes through the placenta and may direct the fetus's internal clock. But after birth, this intimate hormonal connection is broken and newborns must rely on their own internal clocks. But they haven't yet developed their own circadian rhythms of melatonin production, nor have newborns developed circadian rhythms for the production of cortisol. Now, all of that was a quote from from Gwen Dewar. She gave references for what she was saying, and she's absolutely on point. So what I want you to understand is that breastfed babies, when they suckle, they have a different, uh, maybe the best way to explain it is a different level of gut hormones, And so does the mother. All of this is regulated by the splanchnic nerves. And I think that it's really important that you understand that when mothers and babies are in a relationship in the way that nature intended, these things will get righted. But in the meanwhile, what you've got is a baby who, as they often say, has his days and nights mixed up. And that is true. It is absolutely true. But my question would be, what kinds of overstimulation does the baby have so that he's producing more cortisol, that, that hormone which, in fact, keeps him more alert? It's a, cortisol is a, a stress hormone that keeps me more alert. It keeps you more alert. And so I really want you to think about this. And I'm not even saying that it's true. I'm saying think about when does the baby get the kinds of things where his cortisol levels might possibly be increased. 
And is that what's keeping this baby awake at night and particularly on the second night? And is that something that is modifiable? That would be so important to look at. When we come back from the break, I'm going to talk to you about some of these things that are, in fact, things that make the baby more wakeful or more stimulated and talk about some strategies to deal with that. All righty then. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. I'm Marie Biancuto. We'll be right back after this short break. Dialogue is the single most powerful leadership tool we have to make a difference in the world. Leading conversations with host Cheryl Esposito creates a place for that dialogue. Tune into the Voice America Business Channel every Friday as Cheryl hosts new conversations among leaders from around the world in business, government, art, economics, and social change. We'll explore big ideas and everyday actions and learn how their own leadership has led them to discover a newfound sense of possibility in the world. Leading conversations with Cheryl Esposito, bringing big thinkers together in conversations that make a difference right here on the Voice America Business Channel every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuso, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you too. Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that too through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Cancer is not something to be taken lightly. But instead of being talked at by doctors, medical providers, and others, wouldn't it be nice to hear from a host who has worked at the cancer coalface for 38 years as a caregiver, supporter for 14,000 patients, and who has had the experience of having a life-threatening condition herself? You will hear the stories of survivors and other people who work in breakthrough cancer medicine. Navigating the Cancer Maze with host Grace Goller will help you with the facts, planning, and grief experienced with different forms and stages of cancer. Listen every Friday at 12 noon U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. 
You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Thank you, everyone, for listening. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. I'm your host, Marie Biancuto. And today we're talking about the so-called second night syndrome. And basically what I have said in the beginning is there's no scientific evidence to support this phrase, second night syndrome. And in my own clinical practice, what I've seen after working many, many hundreds of nights, I do believe that there are babies who are wakeful on that second night. But first of all, I don't think it's necessarily the second night. And the other thing is, I wonder if this is an American kind of thing. And it's not something, by the way, that we see with animals. That's the other thing that I look at. Do you see little puppies having a second night syndrome? Do you see little kitties having a second night syndrome? I don't think so. So what I'm trying to do here is to acknowledge that I think that some babies really are very wakeful at night. But my question is, why? And is there something that we can do about it? The answer is yes, there are some things that we can do about it. And I'm going to start with some what I guess I would call basic principles for managing. The first thing is pre-planning. Understand that this second night of very wakefulness may indeed happen. So become prepared for it and try to think of ways to avoid it. And I'll help you with that in just a second. Understand, too, that it might not happen. So don't feel as though you're doomed to have to encounter this. It really might not happen. Here are some suggestions, again, for this pre-planning phase, which I believe to be key for helping you to avoid this wakefulness on the second night. First of all, Breastfeed, 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 breastfeed as much as you possibly can during the day. The whole idea is that you want to socialize the baby to be active during the hours of sunlight and to be quiet during the hours of darkness. Also, during the day, do skin-to-skin contact, skin-to-skin contact, and more skin-to-skin contact. Now, when I ask people about skin-to-skin contact, they say, oh, yes, yes, we had that right after delivery. Okay, well, that's really great, but it needs to continue. Skin-to-skin contact it is, is what is going to activate those hormones that help the baby to have a calmness come over him rather than to have the hormones that are the stress hormones. So, yes, it's important immediately after delivery. I totally agree with that. You absolutely should be be doing that. That is necessary, but it is not sufficient. The next thing that you need to do is skin-to-skin contact for periods of time. Let me explain what I mean. You can't just open your nightgown or open your shirt and put the baby on there skin to skin for a few minutes. That's not going to give you all of those benefits that we talk about when we talk about the benefits of skin to skin contact. Research has shown that it needs to be for a period of at least one hour. So 
find, I, I'm assuming that on this first and second day, you're in the hospital, okay? I'm a hospital nurse. I speak from that perspective. I know that there are many of you that are having home deliveries. There's nothing wrong with that. But I know that the vast majority of people that I'm talking to are going to experience this in the hospital. So get your nightgown, your shirt, your whatever you want. Get the baby skin to skin. Wrap up the two of you. And what you will find is that you will settle down and the baby will settle down. This would be especially important during the evening hours when you want the baby to start settling down. I can't overemphasize the importance of these hormones that occur. And they will only be activated or inactivated depending on what Niels Bergman calls the habitat, where the baby actually is. And the place, and this is a direct quote from Bergman, he says, the place for babies is on the mother's chest. And I totally agree. And by the way, it could be on the father's chest. That would be okay. Fathers cannot regulate the baby's temperature as well as the mother can. But certainly if the mother is unable or unavailable or too sick or whatever, absolutely the father is a possibility here. Now, let me talk a little bit about overstimulation. Avoid all overstimulation. What is overstimulation? It's anything that is sensory input that is too much. It might be visual, it might be auditory, or whatever. But if it's sensory and it's overstimulation, it's not good. For example, look at what you've got in the environment, the bright lights and the noise. As long ago as 1997, the American Academy of Pediatrics put out a statement on the need to reduce noise for newborns. We all need to remember that and we need to heed it. Unless you're living and working and giving birth in a very different hospital than where I've ever worked, I can tell you there's a plenty of noise that's going on at any one given time. Remember that the baby is much more sensitive to that than you and I would be. Maybe you've got your television on. Maybe you're talking on your telephone. Maybe somebody else is talking on the telephone. Uh, maybe there is noise out in the hallway. It could be any number of things. And by the way, with all the electronic gizmos that we have today, which reminds me, I've got my cell phone sitting here and I haven't gotten it turned off. I better do that, huh? Because guess what? We take these as just normal and what we do in a day, but for a baby... That is external stimuli and probably too much of it. So reduce that stimulation during the day. Another thing, and this is huge, stop passing the baby around from one visitor to the other. I have seen this where it gets to be the grandfather, the other grandfather, the uh, the grandmother, the other grandmother, the aunts, the cousins, the on and on and on and on. Babies were not built to be passed from one hand to the other all day long or all evening long. That is way too much stimulation. Babies need to be, as Niels Bergman says, the right place for the baby is on the mother's chest. And he has nothing to do with getting passed around by the visitors. Honestly, this baby is going to be in your family for many, many years. 
take those first couple of days to help the baby to get adjusted to the external environment. He's used to it being just him and his mommy. He's not used to a party. He's not used to being passed around. Give him a few days to get used to the whole idea of this external world. It's very foreign to him. It's like if you were suddenly uprooted from your environment into, I don't know, Mars or something, like nothing you've ever experienced. Speaking of visitors, limit, 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 limit visitors. Again, I have seen mothers totally exhausted by visitors, 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 visitors. This is not therapeutic for the mother, and it's definitely not therapeutic for the baby. I have seen mothers who become way too overtired. They're trying to entertain the visitors, and quite honestly, it's just it's, it won't take a toll on her immediately, but it will take a toll on her, in my opinion, usually by that second night. So my question is, is the baby wakeful because the mother has had all of that stimulation during the day? Have you ever been too tired to go to sleep? I bet you have. If I were queen for a day, I would not allow all of those visitors to be overstimulating the mother and the baby. The only way that you're going to be able to have any sense of control, I hate to use the word control, but remember, this is your life and this is your baby. Everybody expects that it's okay to just plunder in during this time that should be a sensitive period with you and your baby, a time when you and your baby get to be together. And quite honestly, everybody else is an outsider. It's good to have a talk with them prenatally before you give birth and to help them to understand that you and your baby really need time to orient yourself to what's really going on and to what the two of you are as you embark upon this new time. When you don't have the visitors there, you're going to be able to take this thing called a nap. And naps are really, really good. I don't think it's realistic to think that the mother or the baby will have a full night's sleep or even a substantial stretch of sleep during the night. Rather, I think that it's much more useful for you to think about having a good stretch of sleep or several good stretches of sleep in a 24-hour period. So think in terms of a 24-hour period and the good stretches, not thinking in terms of just the night. Along with that, I would like you to line up friends or relatives ahead of time before you give birth so that you know that you can be with your baby in close proximity, okay? We're going to talk about sleep co-sleeping on a different show. So, by the way, uh, Jim McKenna, who is the ultimate guru on this topic, uh, and Dr. Jim McKenna, PhD, is going to talk with us about that. But he talks about a committed adult. You need to line that person up before before you give birth so that you can have co-sleeping in the way that Dr. McKenna defines it and that 
will help with this so-called second night syndrome. Remember that the baby may be protesting because he's got that protest despair (coughs) that we hear about from other authors like, for instance, uh, Christensen, who has written a lot on that. Before we go to break, I would just like to tell you that in the last segment, I was talking about um, Gwen Dewar's site. I did look that up for you. It's parentingscience.com. Everything that I've ever read on her site is excellent, and I gave you a few very, very small quotes from there. I would suggest that you go to her site. Uh, she is Gwen Dewar, Ph.D., parentingscience.com. Okay. When we come back, I will talk to you about some simple things to do, some simple things to avoid, and then some other ideas for how to cope with this second night syndrome, so-called. I'm Marie Biancuso. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. Don't go away. We'll be right back after this short break. Are you ready to laugh and learn as you get the info that will get you fit? Small steps can lead to big changes once you're headed in the right direction. Join the dynamic twin sister and exercise expert team of Alexandra Williams and Kimberly Williams-Evans on Active Aging for Boom Chicka Boomers. K&A bring you top-level guests who offer active aging advice and practical tips you can use today. Enjoy the second phase of life with vitality, brain power, and energy. Active Aging for Boom Chicka Boomers airs live. Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern on Voice America Health and Wellness. Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuso, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you too. Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that too through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. I'm Marie Biancuso, and we're here to talk about so-called second night syndrome, which I'm not completely convinced is um, 
something that is actually real, or at least it's not real for all babies in all countries and all circumstances. I ended up uh, the last segment by talking about some pre-planning. But let's say that once you've done that pre-planning, you've actually got your baby in this situation where he seems to be completely wakeful on that second night. Here are some rather simple things that you can try. First of all, the very first question should be, does the baby need something? Does he have a wet or dirty diaper? Does he need to burp? Does he need to eat? Those are fairly simple things. If the baby needs to do that, I'm going to tell you, he's not going to sleep. So meet the obvious needs first. Let me just talk about um, that burp thing for a minute. Sometimes you can get away without burping the baby at all. Breastfed babies don't really take in very much air. So if the baby doesn't need to burp, I would not interrupt him. I would let him just, you know, doze off and go to sleep. If the baby does need to burp, you'll see that he's especially, what you'll see is you'll see him arching his back and throwing out his legs. Those are usually good indication that he needs to burp. Learn some good comfort techniques for the baby. For example, one of the best ones that I can think of is help the baby to find her fist. You can't do that if the baby is all wrapped up like a little burrito. Now, swaddling, if you're going to do it, can help. But make sure that you leave the baby's hands out so that the baby can have some ways to comfort herself. They have done a number of studies about um, sucking the fist or the fingers. And actually, the babies have a different neurologic reaction to sucking fists or fingers than they do to sucking a pacifier. So therefore, fists and fingers are better for calming the baby. And yes, eventually they will give it up. That you're, If you're just thinking that the baby won't give it up, that's a myth. Uh, they've done studies on that as well. That is a, a, a definitely a, a topic for another show. Now, I briefly mentioned swaddling. If you're going to swaddle, learn to do it correctly. There are certainly some very good websites on uh, the Internet that show you how to swaddle. Do it in a way where the baby has access to her hands and fingers, but also don't use a heavy blanket. Use something like a muslin or something like a um, a hospital. The hospital blanket doesn't really get you very far because if your baby is a big baby, it's kind of difficult, and then they get to be big soon. But you know what I mean by that texture. That would be helpful. If you listen to the work of Harvey Karp, and by the way, he is happiest baby on the block. He talks about the usefulness of swaddling. Some babies like to be swaddled, but I would say other babies, not so much so. The trick is, watch your baby. Learn about infant massage. Infant massage has been enormously helpful in calming babies. So that's a skill that you can learn, hopefully, while you're pregnant. You know I'm going to say skin-to-skin, skin-to-skin, and more skin-to-skin contact. There are other things, however. Rocking chairs. Sometimes, and I can think of this when I have been a nurse in 
a nursery. I hope you don't have too many nurseries anymore. I can tell you that there's been kids that I've been able to settle down just by putting them in the rocking chair and sometimes humming or singing to them really helps to settle a baby down. At home, you may choose to use something like an infant swing. Now, there are a number of CDs that are out there for babies. I'd also like to mention that world-renowned hypnotherapist Max Kirsten has got a uh, soothing CD that is coming out this spring. I don't know the particulars on that. I just know that Max can soothe me as an adult very well. So really think about what kinds of things you might use there. You can even use some white noise. Gee, sometimes I've just taken out my iPhone and I've played the ocean sounds for kids. That seems to work well, too. Now, absolutely rooming in because research strongly supports the idea that the baby will sleep better if he is in close proximity to the mother. And I know there's a lot of controversy swirling around rooming in, but absolutely that is what the science shows. Again, stay tuned for a program on rooming in here. What I would suggest that you really avoid are things that are noxious stimuli. I'm thinking of things like vigorous burping. When I see parents and they're burping the baby and they're patting the baby's back like this, I hope you heard that, all right? I was just smacking on the table, but honestly, I can hear parents burping their kids by patting their backs so hard that I can hear them across the room. That's noxious stimuli. Don't put mittens on the baby. The baby wants to find her hands and fingers. Watch and see what you have on yourself that the baby might consider a noxious stimuli. Things like perfume or maybe even your deodorant might be bothering the baby. Look for bright lights. That can be a noxious stimuli for the baby. How about a cold room? Now, the room may not feel cold to you. It might feel too cold to the baby, or it may feel too hot. Each baby seems to have a very distinct preference for how he or she wants the room in terms of the cold or the heat. And always, skin-to-skin contact, wrap yourself up with yourself and your baby. Certainly embrace white noise, uh, even something as simple at home as, um, for instance, turning on the uh, fan in the bathroom or the fan. For instance, I'm sitting here right now in the family room. We've got a fan here. That white noise is helpful. Sometimes just putting a little bit of your milk on the blanket that the baby has. Help the baby to find her own fist. And again, rooming in. Skin-to-skin contact, some would say swaddling, any of those kinds of things could be helpful. Remember that not all babies are the same. What might work for your first baby doesn't necessarily work for your second baby. Wow, I just can't believe it. This hour went so quickly. That's all the time that we have today. I'd really like to thank you for listening to Born to be Breastfed, and I'd like to invite all of you to come back next week. Visit my website at Born to be Breastfed for a preview of what's coming up next week. Email me at radio at borntobebreastfed.com if you have a question. And if you're interested in professional continuing education about breastfeeding and lactation, remember, I'm your source for evidence-based practice and education on the web 
and sometimes in your city. Again, the website for this radio show is borntobebreastfed.com. Send me your questions at radio at borntobebreastfed.com. I'm Marie Biancuso, and I promise that I'll help you to cut through the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding next Monday, same time, same channel. And as always, in the meanwhile, remember, your baby was born to be breastfed. Have a great week. Thank you for tuning in this week to Born to be Breastfed. Please join Marie Biancuso next Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, do its best for you and your baby. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.